Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 53 of DC Primetime from the Next Level, or from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods on the Next Level Network, I am Rob. Uh, and take two. <laughs> yes. As we uh, have attempted this recording already, and unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we had to start over. Luckily, we were only a couple minutes into it, so it's... Uh, it's like two minutes, so we're, yeah. we're safe. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're good. Um, but we're back to a, uh, a shorter week this week once again, as only three shows have aired, Powerless and Supergirl, both on break. Uh, but next week, man, we're gearing up for a pretty good week. All five shows are going to be back. We're going to have the musical crossover episode between The Flash and Supergirl, and... We're going to have a former guest uh, rejoining us next week, which we're we're pretty, pretty excited about. Yeah, that we are. And I do know we were called out in the past about singing the intro. <laughs> All I'm going to say is maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> we're, we were tossing around some ideas. Um, if we're doing it, we're writing something original, and it'll be over our theme song. So yeah. we got to figure that one out. Yeah, so, we got about a, we got maybe. about a week to do it, and um, we got to make sure our guest is on board with it too. If if we're gonna make him a part of it, and um, it, it, we tossed around some ideas a couple nights ago, uh, and uh, we'll see, we'll see. It's not a guarantee, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but on the topic of next week, uh, I know we had our DC meme contest. Not too long ago, in which our second prize winner was Paul, and he's getting a copy of the. Uh, well, we we were originally going to do Batman Telltale or uh, Justice League Dark, but he actually owns both. So we, we did figure out something else to do with Paul. Uh, and Cliff, our first prize winner, was going to get <clears throat> a something signed, personalized to him from my trip to Heroes and Villains Chicago uh, next weekend. Unfortunately, due to circumstances, I'm going to be unable to attend Chicago, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but we are still going to be hooking up Cliff with a prize. We're not going to... Uh, we're not going to bail on that. Uh, two weeks following Chicago, we are going to be at Great Philadelphia Comic Con, in which Alan Tudyk, John Wesley Shipp, and a bunch of other guests uh, are going to be at. So we're still going to get him something personalized and signed from that con. So Cliff, uh, you're still going to get hooked up. I'm going to message you in a little bit to go over the details a little bit more. Uh, but it's kind of a bummer, because I know I helped them put their panel schedule together, and... Uh, one of the panels I helped them put together was one I found out I really wanted to moderate in which both Carlos, Carlos Valdez and Brandon Routh would be on stage together. Uh, and I found out that had I made it to Chicago, uh, I would have been. So, But uh, still plenty of opportunities as there's still heroes and villains. Nashville, Portland, Atlanta again, and New Jersey. So I've been told with full confidence I will be moderating at one of, if not more than one of those conventions. So plenty of other opportunities in the future to meet and 
uh, we'll probably do more contests too. Yeah, we're yeah. Whenever, whenever you do any kind of like other cons, we may run stuff like that in again in the future for more people to get an opportunity to get that kind of prize. Uh, it's just one of those really unique things, and it's kind of the, that awesome keepsake that you can have for for watching these shows. So yeah, and I know we were talking about this the other night, and this is something that's going to be if it happens, which I hope it does, uh, will be p- part of this podcast, but it actually will be whole network wide. Um, you know, from uh, the next level podcast network wide, uh, and it will if it happens and it comes to fruition, uh, there'll be other opportunities for you guys to win other cool stuff. Um, you know, through this, because I think we're tossing around the idea of potentially starting a Patreon, uh, you know, in which you guys can help contribute to the podcast. And in return, you guys will get uh, a lot of cool opportunities to to join us, to win some prizes. To, cool swag. Some, yeah, you'll get some cool swag. You'll get some behind the scenes stuff that we never post. You'll be able to, to hear and uh, you might be able to join us on interviews, uh, at least listen in on interviews, potentially even ask, you know, ask some questions and, uh, maybe even be a part of the interview too. So, uh, we're still putting that together. Maybe like in a month or two, we'll see if everything comes together, but it's, we're going to work with all of the podcasts on the network to put that together. It's not just going to be DC primetime. Yeah. So cool things on the horizon. Yes, for sure. Uh, but Three episodes this week. Let's do jump into the uh, the bullet points portion where we give each show the sidekick hero or legend ranking. This one is very easy, as this week we have the Flash season three episode sixteen, Legends of Tomorrow season two episode fourteen, and Arrow season five episode sixteen. Fairly imp- fairly simple. Down the line, both Rob and I, I think you and I are in agreement. Legends Legend. across the board. Yeah, across- all three shows. All three shows deserve them this week. Yes. Absolutely. Every one of them. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into the Secret Origins portion where we go over and give the breakdowns of the episodes. Starting off first with, and I love when we get to start with The Flash. Nothing against Supergirl at all, but come on. Yeah. Uh, it kind of brings us back to when we first started the show. It, it does. Uh, the Flash Season 3 Episode 16, titled Into the Speed Force. Desperate to stop Savitar and save his friends, Barry turns to the Speed Force for answers. HR gives Jesse some advice. So I have to say, starting off, it was great seeing Rick Cosnett, Robbie Amell, and Wentworth Miller. Yeah, we didn't know he was going to be in the mix on this one. but uh, And Black Flash. Holy Black crap. Flash like and John Wesley Ship. Jay Garrick. It was a very packed episode, but you know what? Beautifully done. Absolutely yes. loved exactly how they handled this one. Yeah. So. Uh, and we found out a couple, you know, quite a few things about this episode. I mean, obviously, this is a mission to save Wally, who's trapped in the Speed Force, uh, which does come some with some unfortunate consequences, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that came out of this episode is we find out that... Uh, Savitar is a man. He is not a god, which I think we kind of already knew. Yeah, if he... you know if you know his character in the comic books, you know he is just a guy, um, self proclaimed god. So, uh, one of the things though, I actually got to bring up because there was something very early on in this episode that I don't know if I misheard because I haven't had a chance to go back to it. So, if you guys have listened to seen this episode a couple times, watched it. There's something in a key moment, and Ben, and I don't know if you picked it up either, when Barry is talking to Eddie in the, you know, police department, he kind of states to Barry at one point in time that he is like, no, you know, 
Savitar, you know, he's like, that's because of something you did in the future. But it made it the way that it was brought up sounded like Barry was Savitar. I don't well, know. We, if were, we... we were kind of throwing that prediction around that theory yeah. around last week. But it was yeah last week. But after this episode, though, the, go back and listen to that conversation because the way that that Eddie makes that statement is kind of like Barry is Savitar. Well, this is an um, episode I wanted to go back and rewatch again anyway. So oh, I'm, I will do, be doing the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> trust me. Um, yeah, so that, that's something for sure. But I might have missed that the, the first time I heard it. It was like uh, one of the very last things he says to him. So yeah, but it, I mean, it was it was. It, it was kind of cool because at the same time, while we're seeing you know Rick Cosnett return, we're, you know we're seeing Eddie and we're seeing Rod, uh, Ronnie, and um, you know it's almost like this is a glimpse of what the future would have been had Flashpoint not happened, or not Flashpoint. Um, the Flash had, didn't exist, basically. Uh, yeah, because you know we saw um, Caitlin with a baby and Ronnie still alive. We saw Eddie still alive, obviously. So I mean, this is a, this was almost like something that could have been a potential future. For yeah. Them. Um, yeah, I think they handled that really well. I mean, like, this is, like, I guess the best way to put it, this episode is kind of like the this, the Empire Strikes Back to the Runaway Dinosaur. Um, I think that's the best way I can kind of view this episode, where that one was very hopeful. This is the Speed Force, very dark and twisted. Um, but I do love the main thing that they were trying to drive home. Because, like, it's kind of like, Barry, you're constantly blaming yourself for everything, and... The reason you've gotten out of every situation so far is because somebody else has stepped up for you. It's now your time to do this on your own. And I think that was kind of a really kind of strong, twisted, but strong message in the episode. Like him trying to push things off on everybody else in the team at times. Like it's sometimes Barry's got to do it on his own and be his own hero. Yeah. So I think that was kind of unique because like, you know, like we did see the fallout of, you know, Eddie killing himself was probably the only way he probably would have beat reverse flash. Um, especially that early on as being the flash. I think that's kind of, I mean, I think later we would have seen him been able to do it on his own, but that moment in particular. So, well, I mean, and that was kind of like a point that was driven home by the end of the episode too. I mean, you know, we do see that, uh, there's still turmoil between him and Iris, but you know, this time around at the, by the end of the episode, it's actually Barry. That's the one that's taking the step back and not Iris. Uh, you know, he's the one that says, I kind of need to, um, you know, I kind of need to step back and I need, I'm just the point that you just made. I need to do this on my own. And it's, it's another thing that he tells Wally at the same time. He's like, you know what? We were going about this the wrong way. You're not going to be the one that set, that stops Avatar. I have to do it. So, I mean, it, it just drives that point that you were making that this is something like he's relied on the team too much and he's pushed things off on them too much. And now he's he's coming to to realize it's something he has to do on his own, which if you think about the tonality of that, too, and you compare that to Arrow, it's the complete opposite side of the spectrum. You know, this is a situation where Barry's starting to realize that this is something he has to do by himself. He's got to make this this pilgrimage and, and do this by himself, whereas you switch over to Arrow and Oliver relies too much on himself, and he has to start relying on the team more. I so mean, these are two different tonalities between these two shows, but they work well with their perspective show. They really do. The only thing I will kind of give a little negative to that whole idea for this season is Barry did things on his own in the beginning of the season and created Flashpoint. This is the chance of him to do everything on his own and make things right and do it the right way, which is a strong message. But if you go back to season two... He was on his own for several months, and then he was like, I can't do this without a team behind me. Like, when, like, you know, 
reverse flat. He found out that, you know, like, H, you know, not HR, but Harrison Wells at the time. Sorry, we have to go back a couple Harrisons. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but Harrison betrayed him and was reverse flash. And he was like, I can't trust people. I think this is, uh, while that kind of does kind of break, well, you did this before, but now this is, hey, he trusts everybody, but now he has to learn to trust himself a little bit and trust his own judgment and make sure he's starting to make the right calls and not the selfish ones. Yeah. So I think it is a natural progression, but, like, I do think it was a little unnecessary drama for Iris to be like, let's do this. Let's be back on it, Barry. Like, peace. And I'm like, what are you doing? No. (laughs) We don't need to reset this point again. Like, that's the only thing I can really state that I have an issue with is I don't want to see them step the relationship back again after we've worked so hard for three seasons to get to where they were two episodes ago. Um, And now that's going to be strained. But, I mean, like I said, you know it's going to get fixed and Barry's going to have his reasons. And I'm sure they'll go into that next week because this was how do you do a cliffhanger on a dramatic moment? That's how you do it. But still... I don't think that's the way a lot of fans wanted to see. Yeah, but so. I mean, even going into next week, I don't think we're going to see a lot of resolution with that, uh, you know, considering this is the musical crossover this week. Uh, a lot of this stuff for next week is going to be Barry in a coma. So uh, I don't think we're going to get a lot of resolution on that. The following week, however, I think we probably will. I don't know what the following week is. Um, looking forward. Oh, the following week is Abracadabra. So, yeah. Um, so that was kind of – I think next week is kind of the pause button. It's like our King Shark moment that they gave us last season. Like when we had that final King Shark episode, that was like the final, hey, here's the quick breath before we get into the the final back half of the season. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what this is going to be. I, you know, We're going to get the musical episode. We'll get Abracadabra. We'll probably get one other big Savitar moment. We'll probably have a break for a few weeks, and then we'll wrap up. And then, yeah, and then we're into the home stretch of the season towards the end. Yep. Um. So a question I want to pose to you as far as jumping into, you know, what we saw Barry going through in the Speed Force. Uh, is there a part of you that believed that Jay Garrick was just another part of the Speed Force? No. Uh, you believe be- it was the actual Jay Garrick? I uh, 100% believe that was the actual Jay Garrick that came in to save his ass. Okay. Because you got to think of it, too. The team knew because they're like, where's Jay? If it, if not, they would have no idea. So well, no, no, I mean, I mean, in my mind. well, yeah. I, I'm talking, yeah, towards into the episode, I did believe that it was Jay, especially at that part. But when he first appeared, I'm speaking of, did you know that that was the actual Jay or did you think this was just another trick of the Speed Force? I thought it was another trick of the Speed Force at the okay. first moment, but it's even like Barry is like, wait, is this real Jay or not? Uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that he even asked that question, I'm like, Thank you for clarifying that because we kind of needed it at the moment. Um, but man, seeing so many iconic characters from this show's past—I mean, you know—it's not a long past, but what a great way to throw in some of the best of the best cast members that have been in the show in a single episode. Yeah, um, I mean, everything and everybody that they use—they use them flawlessly. I loved seeing that alternate future take there, um, which is kind of funny because that's what Barry's trying to prevent is an alter is a potential future. So seeing one that could have existed if he didn't exist to show him a little bit more doubt, I think that was a really strong way to do it. Well, I mean, you know, 
it hasn't just been this episode either. It's been kind of like the last couple. I mean, you know, we got to see Eddie back again this week. We got to see Ronnie back again this week. We got another glimpse, uh, you know, another moments with with uh, Jay Garrick. You mentioned we got the Black Flash at the same time. So we we actually did get uh, Hunter Zolomon mentioned by name. Uh, you know, and, you know, you go back to last week, if not the week before, and we got HR and uh, and um, Harry, you know, from previous Earth 2 plus Jesse Quick. So we've been getting a lot of characters coming back, whether they're momentary or not. We've, you know, or for a little bit of extended time, we've been getting to see a lot of uh, old faces showing up. Uh, one of the questions I have for you, you know, are you still feeling like the cast feels very balanced? Because right now, I feel like they're doing a really great job of ba- uh, this balancing act with this many characters. I do. I, I still feel like it is it is very balanced. We're not getting uh, a lot of overused characters more than anybody else. Like, we're not getting any Felicity moments like we did with Arrow, where we felt like they were focusing too much on Felicity. Uh, we're, we're not getting too little of anybody. We're getting, you know, we're getting our Wally moments. We're getting our Joe moments. We're getting our Iris moments. Everybody's having their time to shine, and it's working out. And I think... I think it's very smart in what is happening with, and it, this is something obviously we're gonna we had to talk about anyway. We're we're getting that unfortunate moment that a speedster always has to stay in the time force, which is something I Speed kind force. of. What did I say? Time force. I said time force. No, <laughs> uh, sorry. I, okay. I got it confused with Power Rangers for a second. Um, <laughs> I know you're excited about the movie. I, I know a am. lot of people are. It kind of looks awesome. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but yeah, you know, a speedster always has to stay in the speed force. And which confused me for a moment because, you know, I thought like, well, what happened before when Barry was in there before? There was no speedster in there before. But technically, Savitar has always been in there. Yeah. So there was always technically a speedster in the Speed Force. It was just it was Savitar before. Um, so I it's and now with Savitar being out and Wally having to come out, it was something I didn't think about until the, we were actually in the moment that a speedster has to stay and Jay Garrick steps up and takes that role. Uh, it's something you said you mentioned as well too when we were talking about this before. He's not dead, so yeah. he could be rescued from that potentially in the future. Or ultimately, too, because the Speed Force we've seen actually be kind of awesome as well. How awesome would it be is if Barry is in, like, severe trouble next season and you just see a lightning strike and Jay just standing there. It's like, don't worry, kid, I got this. Yeah, I mean, and as you, you mentioned, like, that actually happens in the comic books. I mean, like, even recently, like I said, for people reading, you know, Rebirth uh, or the Rebirth run, like, currently um, – and I don't even know if we need to bother calling it Rebirth anymore, but, like, current DC continuity, the original Jay Garrick just came back, and he came back in a strike of lightning, same way that Barry came back in, you know, uh, post-Final Crisis. I mean, those wonderful flash moments, because we haven't had one of those yet, whereas there's that lightning strike, and boom, hi, I'm back. And I, couldn't you say how amazing that would be in this horrible, dire moment next season? And then just, here's Jay. Yeah, and like the amount of chills I get in my mind just thinking about that moment coming in the future is going to be, I think, so well worth it. Absolutely, it, it, so well worth it. It's funny because, like, I've said this before, and I said, like, how awesome would it be if we had like just a, ma- a ma- an awesome moment where we have like all these speedsters teaming up together to take down this enemy, and it never seems to happen. You know, I know. We, you know, we've we've got Barry now, we've got Wally as Kid Flash, we've got Jesse Quick, we've got Jay Garrick. 
and it never seems to come to fruition because now we've got Jay Garrick who's who's, step, who's trapped in the Speed Force. We've got Jesse Quick who's going to Earth Three, which I honestly think is a great noble move. Um, you know, because even she says with Jay in the Speed Force, Earth Three needs a speedster. Like they yeah. need a hero. I think that's a great move. I I love Violet Beam and I love seeing her as Jesse Quick. Um, but I, I story wise, I think that's smart. It was it, it made you really care about her character even more. She's been a fun character. We haven't gotten really in depth with her too too much, uh, with the exception of some of the stuff in the early half of the season. But that moment, I'm like, she is a hero. Like, it was a hard call for her to make. Like you and like you believe her and Wally's relationship. Yeah. Um. And when she's like, Earth Three needs a Flash, and the fact that she did that, well, I was like, that's awesome. That's such a great, wonderful moment. So yeah, it was really great to see. Uh, now, out of the uh, the the uh, uh, apparitions in the Speed Force, who was your favorite to see, and why? In this particular episode, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know me. I'm a huge Jay Garrick fan. I love John Wesley Ship. And well, I no, I said the uh, out of the apparitions. Oh, like out of the, the apparitions. Um, you know what? In all honesty, and this goes more personal reasons than anything else. I liked seeing Eddie. Um, and it's mainly because of the fact that Rick Cosnett is such a nice guy. Like, I loved seeing him on the show again. Yeah. Um, you know, so I did. I liked seeing Eddie. And I think it was... Um, I liked that the fact that he was the first person that he saw. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going at, you know, the apparitions that we saw, like you mentioned, you know. We saw Eddie. We saw Ronnie. We saw Black Flash. Um, I, I got to go with Eddie. I, I, I gotta say, I think you're right. I think Eddie is... I wanted to say Captain Cold, but I mean, I can understand for some people, if you're only a Flash viewer, you could feel a little confused in his appearance there. He's like, he's like, that's what made Snart sacrifice himself. And everybody that watches Flash is like, huh? What do you mean? Yeah, because like, you don't watch with Legends, that if you don't watch Legends. Right. And I think that... I mean, and I love every time he appears on screen, and it's great because we get to see him this coming week again, too. Because, um, spoiler alert, uh, he's on Legends this week. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's one of those things, though. Like for me, um, I really wanted it to be him, but Rick, Rick did such a great job delivering those moments. Like, it was very somber and very sad, and it was no different than like when we saw him really quickly last season, where Barry had to jump back in time a little bit, and it was him giving that note to to Barry to get to Iris. You yeah. know. Every time Rick shows up on the show, you're like, man, I, he is really missed on the show. He was such a great heart of it all. I mean, they have so many wonderful characters, but he's the, the, the one character that died that you really wish they would find a way to constantly keep bringing back. And he was that one character. That, I mean, you know, we've mentioned before, you know, these other types of characters that when he first showed up in the first season, he was kind of a dick. And you, you, you didn't know if you should like this guy or not. But as you mentioned, he kind of became the heart of, of everything. And you loved him by the end. And, you know, when he made the sacrifice, the sacrifice was it was really sad. So, yeah. So I, I you know, I love seeing Snart. Don't get me wrong. I love Wentworth Miller uh, and, and Le- Leonard Snart. But uh, I got to go with Eddie on that yeah. one. I'm absolutely with you. So, uh, next week, man, I can't wait. Like we've been, we've been pining for this for months now since we heard since we got the official announcement of it. Uh, but next week is duet is the musical uh, crossover with uh, Supergirl. 
um, which Music Meister is going to uh, be coming over. And man, the cast list for this one is great too. Oh, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, we're going to get John Barrowman, who's going to be coming over as Malcolm Merlin, which is great because he's a singer. Uh, you know, obviously, Melissa Benoit is coming over. Darren Chris, who's playing Music Meister, form, another former Grilly member. Uh, David Harewood's coming over. Jeremy Jordan, Chris Wood, all coming over for Supergirl. But. Uh, something I didn't realize until you showed me the promo of this. Uh, Victor Garber is coming over, mm-hmm. which um, we he had found a great out. musical moment this week. <laughs> <laughs> he did indeed, and uh, I have to say that we were when we were talking about this because we're, we're let's just jump right into Legends anyway because that's uh, that's what we're talking about now. Uh, but Legends of Tomorrow, season two, episode fourteen, titled Moonshot. The Legends learn where the last fragment of the Spear of Destiny is hidden when they track Commander Steel to NASA headquarters in 1970. Um, you know, we talk about Victor Garber and his musical moment. I loved the after credit stinger of getting more of that, uh, of his, <laughs> his musical moment. And you, you had said that that was probably your line of the week. Uh, I, I'm curious if you're sticking with that, because mine actually changed okay, after I, watching I- Arrow. I am basically, like I said, you know, him singing Deo, and then at the end of that, just Nick being like, you've got a beautiful singing voice. Yes. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's great. Um, and, and that was my line of the week until Arrow. There's actually one throwaway line in Arrow that was my line of the week, but we'll get to that when we, when we talk about Arrow. Uh, but, you know, a lot of cool stuff came out of this episode. We got a lot of more Ray focus in the, again. Uh, with Brandon Routh. And I, I, I say this again. I, I think he was great as Superman. Ray Palmer just fits him so much better. He really that's It is the character he felt like he was born to play. I mean, and granted, and everybody out there that's DC fans, it's a very different Ray Palmer. Uh, you know, like the, the one that we get on this show is drastically different than the Ray in the comic books. But you know what, though? This is the Ray I, I'm falling in love with, though. Like, this is the character that, like, if they start making changes to his character in the comics to match a little bit more Brandon, I'd have zero problem with it. And then be like, all right, now just put Ray, Booster Gold, and, you know, like, the original Blue Beetle, Te- well, not the original, the second Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, and just have their adventures. And how amazing of a book would that be? Oh, my God. I, I yeah, so, I so, so happy. It's been a while since I've read any any books, but that would bring me back in a heartbeat. Yeah. To read that. Uh, I loved loved getting <laughs> dude it i was waiting for it the moment i saw it when he started talking to the camera i was like dude this is right out of the martian mm-hmm. this is great i'm like and if he says i have to science the shit out of this uh-huh. i'm like it's gonna be brilliant and then he says it at the end yeah. i was like oh my god i'm like i love ray i love this show so much just for those little moments are I, like are yeah. fantastic yeah, I, I think, you know what, like I said, uh, I, me and my wife were talking last night. She watches most of these shows with me. and You know what, like, Flash has been my favorite plot for this season so far. But I always come away so incredibly happy at the end of every Legends episode. I don't think there's been one that I'm like, oh, that sucked. I mean, they have their heroes. Uh, but I don't think we've given a single sidekick to a single episode of Legends this season. I don't I think, think we the, have either. I think it's the only show that we've discussed that we haven't done that to. So, um, but yeah, it's they've just been having so much fun this season, and I just adore the the sense of comedic timing, uh, the action, the camaraderie, everything about it has been so much fun. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, and it's just been 
just uh, just a ton of fun watching like these small little moments. I loved seeing actual uh, people from you know the the Apollo thirteen mission, like Jim Lavelle and you know these astronauts popping up at the same time. I, I'm curious though. One of the questions I did have about this episode by the end of it is, we find out throughout this episode that the Apollo, you know, the Apollo thirteen tragedy. Um, um, what's disaster, like a, basically. disaster never happened. Um, you know, at this point in history, because of things that have changed, do we go? Does that revert back to normal by the end of this, or is that uh, no? They never fixed. The they never fixed the time aberration. That's the one thing I did. I'm like, really, guys? But you know what? You guys always cause more good than you do, uh, or no, more bad than you do good. I think in the timeline, but um. Yeah, no, they actually never fixed the uh, the time aberration at, at all in this. So I thought that was kind of amusing. Yeah, that's that was one of the things I was curious about. By the end, I was like, wait a minute, we still didn't fix this. <laughs> like I, you know, I understand that it was, uh, you know, the way things worked and and everything it was more of a focus on Nate and and uh, and Hank and and such, but and finding the shard. But like, shouldn't we still have fixed this situation? So yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but it was so cool seeing, uh, you know, like I said, like seeing Jim Lavelle and, and the Apollo 13 mission happen. Um, I had a point I was going to make, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, of the, the Apollo 13 mission, uh, I really enjoyed, and I thought the dynamic worked really well of seeing Ray and Eobard actually have to work together. Uh, you know, and it was a very interesting fact that I never something that never really crossed my mind is that, yeah, reverse flash has no powers in space. Yeah. But you know like, what? The other thing, though, it makes you forget, because when you see Matt Leshner, uh portraying the character, like when he makes the comment, like he's like, you know, he's like, I really miss the you know camaraderie when I used to work with Caitlin and Cisco and Barry. And you're like, God, that's right. I mean, he is such this vile character, but you forget, like, he was their friend. Like, he actively cared about Cisco and all these people, and he's like, I'm a scientist first. And you, and this, I love the fact that, like, Ray kind of feels for him by the end of this episode, where it's, he's like, what do you want from the spirit? He's like, I just want to live. That's it. Yeah. And it's something so simple. And, like, it was such a great connection point for those characters. And, like, you know, like, and he kept his word. He's like, this is what you do. I know we're enemies once the moment that this, this we get back, and that's it. But it was really fun to watch the two of them together. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, and like I said, I thought the interaction actually worked really well. I thought the two of these characters interacting together, uh, you know, Matt um, Matt Letcher and Brandon Routh actually had a good camaraderie on on screen together too. So uh, I, I thought that was a great pairing up of, of seeing that because you could it could have been like Damian Dark or anybody or even Barrowman, but I, I think that. That combination worked really well. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, switching over to actually on Earth, though, uh, you know, we did get a lot with, uh, you know, with Nate and Hank, with, you know, father and grandfather, or not father, um, grandson and grandfather actually getting to interact a little bit more. And, uh, you know, the fate of yet another Justice Society member happens to be that he doesn't survive but this time through sacrifice and it was um i, I don't know if i understood that quite as much um, Well, it, it makes sense like he can't go back to his timeline like commander Steele knew that his mission was a one-way mission 
And it was also if he didn't sack because they knew somebody needed to stay and do that to level out the ship. Nobody was going to be able to survive the atmospheric burnup at all. Uh, not on, on their team, at least. And he knows he can't go back to his timeline. So, and you could see, you could see when they were discussing, when he saw Captain Hunter for the first time, actually nailed us to rip, actually. Um, it was just that moment of like, he's like, I was angry at you, but this is a mission I chose, and I know I can't go back. If I do, I could destroy who Nate is, who he becomes, the hero that he is, and the things that he's doing currently. Like, he, I think he kind of realizes, this is a paradox moment, if I go back. So... Yeah, and I and I keep I have to correct myself too. I keep saying Hank, and it's Henry, not Hank. Henry. Um, Hank was is Nate's father, so and Henry's son. So Hank is the in between, yeah. uh, between Henry and Nate. So I, I had to correct myself. Um, but I, and I understand, like you know, it would be he he can't go back to his own timeline. But did it really require a sacrifice? Because you know, as he had mentioned, they knew somebody had to stay behind in the ca- in the cargo hold. But Nate did bring it up, like, "Hey, I have powers now. Like, I can do this." If Nate could have survived it, why not have Nate do it? Did it really require the sacrifice from Henry? Well, I think they got it across is that they they kind of stated there's no guarantee you are going to survive this, and I think it's just the fact that you know Commander Steele knew he was out of everybody there. He's the expendable one. Uh, because okay. again, he's he 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 is a ghost in time after everything happens. It's this history that says the JSA disappears and that's the end of it. So they're all plucked out of time, with the ex- exception of Obsidian. That's it. Okay, all right, I can um, I, I can say it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean the only one that we know has to go back to face tragedy is Amaya. So in which she now knows what the tragedy is because she took a glimpse into her own future. But I think that was the reason also, too. It was kind of a MacGuffin of having Commander Steele die to push Amaya over to the edge, that no, knowing that she knows she has to do this. So it adds some drama for her character and for Nate. I mean, it, it's, it actually was a really, really touching moment, but it's going to now raise a lot of questions between those two characters. Yeah. So, And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out because they've all proved that they can handle the heavy moments on the show. So I want to see how that plays out. And I know, um, you know, we had made the theory that potentially, you know, Nate or Mick or somebody was the, you know, future grand was, you know, was the grandfather of the future vixen. Uh, do we still think that's the case now with the way Amaya has been with seeing everything with that, about her future? It's very possible. Um, I, I don't know yet. That's a big question. And I mean, there's never been a discuss- discussion about who her husband is. Or who she has a kid with, like she hasn't looked into that yet. So it's still very possible that it, it is Nate. So okay, so I mean, but would that potentially mean though that when Amaya leaves the ship, Nate does as well? It's very possible. I mean, I kind of hope not because I really like, I really like both of them. So I hope they stick around for at least one more season, and they just know at the end of the, of their run. That's where they. That's where they have to go back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think of anything else. With the show, anything uh, that any points that you want to make about this episode? Uh, the other thing I think that's a really big point is that Sarah's going to continue captaining the Wave Rider. And that, I think yeah. that was really awesome, and I love this rips like kind of like, no, you do this better, and you should do this. He's like, I don't know what my place is anymore, and I just love that line. Is like, you're a misfit. That means you're a legend. So you belong here. <laughs> well, I also like the I also like the fact too that when when Rip was talking to Henry about like you know how were they. 
you know, when you first met them. And we have to remember, too, that when Henry and the Justice Society first met the legends at the time, they were right af- right back together of having been torn apart by Rip. So they were discombobulated. They weren't, they didn't have their stuff together. And Mick is now, or Rip is now seeing the way the team is now. And he knows just by those two points, how far this team has come without him and yeah. how to put together they are now without him. And a lot of that is due to the fact that Sarah has stepped up and become the captain of the wave rider. Yeah. And I you know I'm really happy that they went with that angle cuz it's been it's been interesting. I really like watching her leading the charge. She she's proved multiple times in this season alone that she's been a really unique and interesting captain. So, and I really I, I think it's a great dynamic and the fact that Rip is not going to go anywhere is even better. Well, that so. was another one of my favorite moments of this episode too that I wanted to bring up before we moved on in that that moment with Sarah and Rip at the end, you know, where Rip is questioning where he fits. And yeah. Sarah's like, well, you know, you sound like kind of a misfit, you know, like you don't belong. And, you know, you sound like a legend. Yeah. And, and he, I think your brain just skipped out a few minutes ago. I just stated that. <laughs> well, I did you say like all of that? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, it, it's it's still technically early. Well, it's I know okay. you, I know you talked about like how Rip, you know, Rip's not going anywhere and stuff like that. But maybe I maybe I did phase out for like a second. <laughs> you're talking about it. Sorry, yep. it's okay. It, it's worth mentioning again. It is. It was a good moment. It deserved repeating. <laughs> Damn it, Chad! All his fault. It's all Chad's fault. He's not even on the show this time. Yeah, we're so. still gonna. We're gonna. I think that's gonna be the new thing. That we're just gonna blame him <laughs> we're just gonna every bl- time. We're just gonna blame Shad or Jackson. Yeah, yep. either we'll just blame two. one of the two. If Damn you've been it, on the show, yeah. If if you've been on the show, it's your fault. <laughs> a week early. Damn it, Brian. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So uh, yeah, so next week we are. I think we're into the home stretch, pretty much. Of final three. Final three of uh, of Legends of Tomorrow. Next week we have the Fellowship of the Spear, uh, in which we're going to get some J.R.R. Tolkien. So it's going to be interesting. And a little Captain Cold. So and yeah, that's right. God. That's and then right. we got something really big to talk about in the news. So. Uh, and it's a heavy, heavy spoiler. Normally, we don't touch them, and I will warn you that'll be the final news story we talk about. So, if you need to mentally block out for about thirty seconds, maybe a minute <laughs> or two, I will. We'll let you know because <laughs> uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for the finale, uh, there's something that we have to talk about. So, gotcha. So, Arrow. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, season 5, episode 16, titled Checkmate. Oliver gets closer to the truth about Prometheus. Helix refuses to continue helping Felicity until she does a favor for them. Uh, I want to start off by saying, good God, I think Prometheus slash Adrian Chase is my favorite villain they have ever used on this show. Oh, God, he's such a sadistic son of a bitch. The fact, man, that they know who he is now, and they still cannot do anything mm-hmm. with, against him. Man, I am loving what they are doing. I, like, I, it, it had yeah. already thrown me for a loop two weeks ago when we found out, holy shit, Adrian chases Prometheus. Like, thank you for, like, pr- pulling the wool over our eyes for that. But now getting to see the dynamic of everybody knowing that he is that he is Prometheus. Everything is out in the open, and nobody can do anything about it. Yeah. Like, I love that he's just like, I think that one of his best lines that Josh Segarra stated, you know, this week was, it's like, I'm already 10, se- 10 steps ahead of you, and you don't even know the game we're playing yet. That's brilliant. Yeah. And it was so true. 
every single thing that they threw at him, he already knew what he was going to do next. The only time you saw him flustered is when he killed his wife. And he's just like, I didn't want to have to do that. But the next scene you see him in, when they have Susan, and you're like, we're about to make a statement to the press, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, Oliver's missing. You know, don't you think that's a problem? Oh, and by the way, my wife was just murdered. Odd coincidence? I'm I don't in know. mourning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I, and it was, God damn it, what a son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, he is such a vile asshole. Worse than Slade was. Like, and I didn't think that was humanly possible. <laughs> like, he is such a wonderfully great, vicious villain. And is taxing them so insanely hard. And it's in their face. Like, yeah. I love that exchange, too, with Quentin and Renee. And it's just like, where's the reports? He's like, they're supposed to be on my desk. And they're like, we're going to fucking kill you. He's like, dude. He's like, dog, get the yeah. reports. I, I like, take my job oh. very seriously. It's like, holy shit. Like, this guy has no remorse about anything. Like, he is, he's sinister. And I love it. So, And I love the fact, too, like, one of the other things that I, I really – it's a proof positive of how far ahead he is like that that 10 steps ahead is Oliver thought he was doing something like Oliver had a plan in his head when you know there's that moment when when Arrow is in Adrian Chase's house with his wife and you know the the you know the um Starling City PD come in and or Star City PD come in and confront him and he disappears. And he has to give that press conference. And that press conference is, you know that Oliver has that plan. It's like, you know, we know who he is. I'm going to come out and say that he has, that Arrow has 48 hours to turn himself in or shoot to kill. But that's only because it's not going to take 48 hours since we know who Adrian Chase is. So he comes out and he makes that declaration at the press conference. But then the next move, he's screwed. Yeah. Because he can't come out and say who Adrian Chase is. Oliver, you know, Adrian now has Oliver. And that 48 hours is going to expire making Green Arrow like even more of public enemy number one, if that's even possible. Right. And then in addition to that now, the only person that they had, you know, proof as far as what was going on was in Captain Pike's hand, who was going to be able to look into it, who is now in a coma. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like. Every bad thing that could have happened, happened. And we haven't even talked about Talia and how she fits into this big picture yet. Yeah, well, let's let's switch over to that. I mean, uh, it's something I didn't realize, but, you know, it's revealed to Oliver in the beginning of this episode that Talia is, her last name is Al Ghul. And I didn't even realize until this point that he didn't know that. Yeah. Like I said, that was the one thing, because, like, when they brought it up, they was like, well, it's interesting he doesn't know she's connected to Ra's yet. And that was this question that was been, like, lingering every time I've been watching this, anytime they've done flashbacks. Um, and then that moment, you're like, he's like, oh, you killed you killed Adrian's father. And I'm like, oh, I understand why she's doing this. And then she even states right after I had that, like, that click, is like, she's like, you killed mine as well. And you're like, well, sorry, Ollie, you're kind of fucked right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're kind of screwed. So yeah, interesting but, though. It was a really, it was a nice twist and a nice development. It's not, and and you know what the thing is about this episode too, and it, it's rare for us to give an episode a legend because of this. But it's one of those episodes where there's not even really a lot that happens. Um, I mean, there is. I mean, you know, between Oliver becoming, you know, being in the house, and you know, Adrian Chase's wife dying and such. It's more just the dynamic of the characters this episode that got it to legend. Yeah, I, I think honestly, like the episode title was was what checkmate. 
Checkmate, yes. And that's exactly this. That was what this entire episode was. It was a game of chess constantly happening where I'm like, oh, I know exactly how to, to defeat this move. Nope. And it was just moving themselves further and further deeper in the hole. So, but there's something that's brought up at the very end of the episode that now I'm very much questioning. Um, and there's another thing that kind of ties to that because we now we know Adrian Chase is an alias. It's an identity that he took. So that still leads the real Adrian Chase to be vigilante, which I, I'm actually very kind of happy about that. I mean, like, I love the fact that they threw that twist, but, like, I know anybody that's a comic purist out there that is kind of like, but Adrian Chase is vigilante. So that now removes that question from people. Now we know that there could be a real Adrian Chase as vigilante, and he's there maybe to kind of stop, um, you know, Prometheus as well. So now it's figuring out where he fits into the equation, but then the last thing we see... Uh, Prometheus state in the end of the episode is Oliver now you get to figure out who I really am and I'm really wondering if there's another wrinkle to all of this that we still don't know I think there is I think there's still something else that's going on with him that we it's still a mystery because I think everything is out in the open but to have everything out in the open this soon uh, I, I think there still needs to be some kind of shred of mystery yeah I, I did have the the inkling that you know we still need to know who vigilante is i'm not sure if i believe it's adrian chase though um because they're still referring to you know josh segara as adrian chase so and even in imdb looking looking ahead to future episodes he's still listed as adrian chase so i don't know if they're gonna go that route um Mm -hmm. i am still curious though as to who the hell vigilante is uh and when we're gonna see him again because i know he's not listed for next week so we're not gonna see him next week yeah, um, and but that that will you know, play out. You know, you know that's going to play out before the end of the season. Oh, it has to. Like we can't be left with that by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, looking ahead even further too, um, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, the title of the episode two weeks from now is disbanded, which hopefully that doesn't mean it's anything pertaining to the team. More than likely, it will. That's probably what it's going to be. It's kind of. It's echoing Ollie's constant. That's the only, again, the only gripe I have on this episode. Uh, I mean, and I actually, I've, I've been enjoying the flashbacks because I really love Anatoly. Um, but it's that whole, I'm like, Oliver, stop doing this. I can't be with people. I, I was like, you've said this every season. Stop. <laughs> it, it, it's like they needed to fill 30 seconds of dialogue. It's just, that's the only thing that drives me a little bit nuts. But the rest of it, man, so great. But I have a feeling you're going to see the team break apart a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you do see it break apart a little bit. I mean, it tends to happen at least like once every season. It's like Supernatural. The, the brothers got to be angry at each other at least for half of the season every yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, all. exactly. It's just uh, the MO of the show. It's okay. Uh, you mentioned Anatoly and the flashbacks, and I'm still mentioning, I'm still loving the flashbacks as well. But since you've mentioned Anatoly, I will mention Anatoly is the one who has my line of the week. Uh, there is a scene when he first shows up wearing the hood with Anatoly and he's talking to Anatoly and he's talking in that typical green arrow voice and Anatoly looks at him. He's like, what is going on with your voice? (laughs) (laughs) Like that is like that. It reminded me if you've ever seen the movie Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, there's the scene with uh, Aubrey Plaza where she is speaking and every time she curses, her voice does that little you know, it, there's a black box that appears over her mouth. And every time, like, she talks, and at one point, Scott just looks at me. He's like, how are you doing that with your voice? Yeah. And it just it, it just came out of nowhere that, like, he's talking to Anatoly. Anatoly just says, 
what's going on with your voice? And then it just goes right into the next scene. Like it's that made me chuckle. That gave me a bit of a chuckle. So that to me was my line of the week this week. That's a good so, call. Yeah. But yeah, great episodes all, all, all across the board this week. Uh, I mean, like I said, you can nitpick every one of them, but you can nitpick anything that exists. And I think our nitpicks were incredibly minor. Yeah. Um, well, there's still I, one more thing about Arrow that we haven't discussed yet. Do it up. We got more of Helix. Yes, we did. Um, so I'm, I'm relatively curious as to what is what this organization is. Because um, we know they work outside of the government, but yet have more power than the government. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, like I said, the Helix stuff, um, I think this is an interesting way to take Felicity's character. Uh, I think it's going to severely backfire on her <laughs> for quite some time. And I don't, I'm wondering now if you're going to see her slightly removed from the team after everything comes to light. So, OK, it could uh, be part of the disbanded. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, very much the possibility. I mean, her heart is very much in the right place. Um, but even for Felicity, I got to say, this is a stupid move. Um, I, 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 You would think that she is smarter than this to do what she's doing. But it's kind of her going back to her hacktivist roots. So I'm really curious to see how this whole thing's going to play out. But, I mean, I, I don't hate the, the plot at all. I actually think it's quite interesting. I'm really curious to see that continue on and i gotta say too man every time this t-spheres come out man i just smile love it love it <laughs> love it and it's funny too because it's i'll bring this up um uh, my girlfriend brianna doesn't watch any of the shows she, she doesn't watch arrow or flash or anything however she did watch some of arrow with me uh last night when i was watching it and there was the scene with uh you know mr terrific and uh black siren in the house and the t-spheres and she she just looks and this is coming from an outsider who doesn't really watch this stuff uh and it made me real made me realize something i've kind of already known is that she looks at them and she's like well those are interesting costumes and I said, yeah, I was like, you know, in the world of DC is kind of stupid uh, in that, like, you know, Superman takes off, you know, puts on glasses and he's Clark Kent. Mr. Terrific has a T on his face that's in the shape of his face. You can still very much tell it's Curtis. Uh, Black Siren is just a mask over her eyes. Arrow is just a mask over his eyes. With the exception of Batman, costumes in DC universes are very revealing. Well, not uh, everybody, but... <laughs> there's a good chunk. For, for, there's a good chunk that are like that. It, it falls in, on prey of both Marvel, DC, and every independent comic book. Because for most people, it's like, I have tights. You don't know who I am. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have a mask that just covers my eyes. You can see every other facial feature. But yet, nobody knows who I am. Yeah. So, But it was just a good laugh that we had last night. Having getting that from like an outsider's perspective of somebody who doesn't really who's not really like it don't get me wrong she likes like the marvel movies and things like that she's just never gotten into the dc television shows but i'm trying mm-hmm. i'm Sooner trying or later. Uh, yeah she'll fall prey mm-hmm. uh, but yeah uh great shows across the board this week all three are legends and uh man if the rest of the seasons for the rest of these shows keep going this direction we're in for a treat for the rest of these seasons. Yes, we are. For the rest All of the right. Year. Well, we got a lot of news to go through, and I know you've got places to be, so let's get to this. Cool. Um, so uh, we're going to start with the uh, video game world real quick. We usually end with that, but this one's just kind of awesome. So this past week, NetherRealm Studios showed us the next member joining the roster for Injustice 2. Not a character I expected, uh, but we do know Jason Rush, Martin Stein, 
merge together for Firestorm. Uh, and there's a great uh, video of you can see the character in action. Looks quite fantastic, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out. The character design is actually uh, um, has a closer similarity to some of uh, Jax's. It's not as much the traditional, uh, but this is almost pure red. Uh, I'm not seeing any yellow, but I would not be surprised if uh, we maybe see a uh, Jax version uh, of the costume in the game, because we did see an Oliver Queen uh, Arrow version in Injustice 1. So maybe we'll see that as well for uh, Barry, and we'll get some of the TV show versions of these characters. So. I'll tell you, it wasn't a character we were expecting from the game, but it is the character that made me finally say, you know what, fuck this, I'm pre-ordering this game. And, and I did, and, and I pre-ordered the Ultimate Edition. I never, never go Ultimate Edition on games. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of the extra stuff that comes with it is a waste. Like I don't care about digital soundtracks and all that stuff. Stuff, but just seeing all the characters in this game and knowing that with the ultimate edition we're getting nine more that yeah, will not we, be in the regular game. I was like, I'm I'm doing it. I don't care. And your pre order gets you Dark Side too. So yeah, that's ten extra characters, and we don't know. We don't even know the full normal roster yet. They haven't even gone through that yet in completion. So the question now is. Who's still yet to remain because May still some time and they're doing one a week and then they still have to go through a nine and they said they may even do a season two uh, for the DLC. So, yeah, it's going to be a massive game. So it's really exciting. Uh, the other thing that people wanted to point out as well is uh, there is a great cameo in uh, the Firestorm video where you see Killer Croc. Um more than likely, and my guess is very much like the tra scene transitions we have seen in the past, uh, where you've seen other villains in the background, especially through Arkham. When you kick them through a wall, other villains show up. We see Scarecrow, Two-Face, a lot of people. More than likely, that's all this Killer Croc cameo is. A lot of people are like, is he playable? My vote is probably not. So He could be in the future, though. It's very possible. Uh, so now we're going to head over into the film world, because dear... Christ. <laughs> uh, I've got about maybe 12 stories all pertaining to DCEU. So let's get to it right off the bat. So one of the things we got to bring up right off the bat is Aquaman has slipped into late 2018. It is now in the December point. And the reason that they did this is Warner Brothers is now deciding it's wisest for them to make the most financial money if they now eat the spot of now where the vacant place was for Avatar 2. So it, this is actually a very smart move. We are seeing films excel financially in December. Um, and I think this is a really wise move. Get it out of that weird in-between, like, don't do a spring, don't do fall, don't do summer. This, I think, is a really wise move. And James Wan, it seems like that piece is the one that's most well put together that we've heard about and seen so far. The early buzz about what that script is, they're already scouting locations. This is a really smart move, and a lot of people are really excited about this movie. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Aquaman in December of 2018. Um, moving on now, right over to the world of the Man of Steel. The Man of Steel sequel looks like there is a high chance that they know exactly who the director is going to be, and it is a perfect choice. And if this is indeed who is going to do this, I'm very happy, but Warner Brothers is reportedly trying to lock down, at this point in time, Matthew Vaughn, who is the director of X-Men First Class, Kick-Ass, and Kingsman The Secret Service, to helm Man of Steel 2. This is exceptional, exceptional directing choice in here. I think very similar to how everybody is feeling about uh, the replacement with Matt Reeves now in Batman. I think this is them starting to make 
proper decisions. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do here. Um, the only thing I think me and Ben both joked about is, well, he was also a producer on the most recent Fantastic Four. So takes yeah. a little bit away from his cred. Yeah, but a little I think, bit of his cred loses there. But in the grand scheme of things, the things that he's directed, all three of those films are exceptional. And they all have this wonderful – The two of them are amazing. Like All three of them are actually comic books. So, And they're all ex- some of my favorites in the last couple of years. So I'm really, really happy to see – that that's where uh, Warner Brothers is looking. So uh, jumping over to the Batman, uh, we do know, again, we mentioned that the film is like, is not even starting production in 2017, will be starting in 2018. One of the things we missed right off of the cusp from when we reported last week is Ben Affleck is announcing that he's going into a rehab stint for his alcohol addiction problems, which could be one of the reasons. I know this has been denied at this point in time, stating that that has nothing to do with production. Uh, I want to call BS on that. Um, (laughs) More than likely, this is going to delay production, but this could actually very much be one of the reasons why he's not directing. Um, Maybe between the stress of trying to get this project right, was going to put him in a bad place. So I'm, I'm very happy to see that Ben is doing this for himself right now. This is a really wise move, and it can only make his portrayal of the character better when he suits up in 2018. Yeah. Um, jumping over to a little bit more discussions, though, as well on Batman, there's two other stories that kind of link into this. Uh, a lot of people were really concerned about the script. Uh, that We did talk about that last week when Joe Mag- Maganello basically did come out and said, this is all kind of bullshit, but the script rewrite stuff apparently is not. Uh, we do know that the script that was written on by oh, from Jeff and uh, Ben it was getting rewritten by Ben's good friend Chris Terrio. Uh, and then there's a lot of rumblings out there as well that that script was getting completely 100% reworked, but it still sounds like it was Jeff and Ben doing the full rework off of the Terrio draft that was based off of their draft. So this sounds like the third draft, which is pretty common. Most scripts go through several iterations. Uh, but now there's some question as whether or not Deathstroke is still going to be involved in the film. Uh, I think Joe Magnell is amazing casting for that character. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I will state, and I even said to Ben, is when I think of Batman's Rogues Gallery, I usually don't think Deathstroke in that. So uh, if they decide to maybe go with more of a traditional route, that could exactly be where they're going. Um, but one of the things that we kind of need to kind of backtrack a little bit is because Aquaman is getting pushed out of 2018, Warner Brothers is now looking for another film to fill that void. Right now, according to, um, I think it's Variety, it's Justin Kroll over there, is stating that a lot of insiders are saying right now Warner Brothers is looking to try to fast track one of five specific films. And those being Green Lantern, Suicide Squad 2, Gotham City Sirens, the DC Dark Universe film, or Flash. So everybody's wondering which one it's going to be. They did state, though, if none of them are ready to go, they are 100% happy and content with still having Aquaman be their headliner film for all of 2018. Uh, And they're stating that they have apparently a lot of uh, actual positive thoughts already from what they've already seen from uh, James Wan's film. So, well, speaking uh, uh, on a personal aspect, which of those five films, which ones would which one would you like to see fast track more than any? Dark Universe, hands down. I want to see that Constantine movie. Okay, all right. Uh, I was I was either thinking that or Gotham City Sirens. I would like to see too. Yeah, I mean, I think Gotham City Sirens is probably going to be early 2019, uh, if not 2018. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one that actually jumps into that spot because it sounds like uh, David Ayer was already kind of well prepped for it. 
Yeah. Um, which is why he wasn't doing Squad 2, because he really wanted to do this. Margot Robbie's very involved. She's the breakout character. It feels like it makes the most sense to do that then, um, where you have a little bit more time to make sure you get Lantern right. That's one you really have to be careful about. So it's a big wait and see. And Dark gotcha. Universe, I think it's, it's going to be... That's going to take, I think, the most uh, most work to get that to screen. I think that's the one that's going to be tricky for them. So. And I think I think if that if that movie is anything like we've seen out of the, uh, you know, Justice League Dark, uh, that movie would actually be pretty amazing. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they do. So uh, now we know as far as uh, I'm going to have to kind of skim through this article because I didn't read this one in advance, but it sounds like there is another director named as being in the running to helm the sequel to Suicide Squad 2. Uh, and it sounds like Mel Gibson may be kind of slipping away from their main consideration. I don't know if it has to do with fan outcry at all. Um, but according to uh, Jeff Sneeder from Meet the Press, uh, let's see. Holy crap. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this name, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Uh, you but usually forward me stuff like that so I can pronounce it for you. Yeah, uh, I think it's Jemay Colette Sarah. And that is the director from The Shallows. Um, and which is a actually really great dumb shark thriller. And it was incredibly well done. Um, and his other credits are made up of mostly uh, action flicks like The Unknown, Nonstop, Run All Night. Uh, and that's a lot of Liam Neeson flicks. So apparently he's done a lot of work with him. And uh, he was actually previously attached to uh, direct Akira. Uh, and then Warner Brothers put that movie on the back burner due to budgetary concerns. So uh, it sounds like somebody that Warner Brothers has been trying to have do major work for uh, for them for quite some time. And based off of the other films that they're talking, a couple action films, Akira being a huge big sci-fi piece. And then The Shallows was just a really great, tight, well-directed horror flick. Uh, so I could see this guy maybe having a lot of fun with Suicide Squad. So, uh, moving over to the Green Lantern Corps. This is the one to be afraid of, um, unfortunately. <laughs> so it sounds like we potentially have a director lined up for the Green Lantern Corps film, and it is probably the worst director humanly possible for the film, that being David Goyer. Uh, the man can do some decent writing. The man can't direct, I think, in my opinion. I am not a fan of his directorial work. Obviously, one of the last things, especially comic book related, that he did was Blade Trinity. So, Hey, I liked Blade Trinity. You are one of the few people out there that maybe had. <laughs> Come on. Um, I mean, what kind of, how can you not like a movie with Ryan Reynolds and Triple H as a vampire? <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say Ryan Reynolds was quite wonderful. The movie as a whole. Oh, yeah. the movie's garbage. I'm, I'm only <laughs> but Ryan fantastic. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds was fun as, as Hannibal. Yeah, uh, Hannibal I, I did King, like Ryan so. Reynolds as Hannibal King. So, so, uh, but yeah, a little something that makes me a little, little trepidatious. But I'm really hoping that we at least get through Green Lantern Corps properly. I don't want to see that movie fall apart because I love the core. So, um, but also we knew know a little bit more of what's to come as far as the next trailer for Justice League. That sounds like it's going to be at WonderCon, which is uh, just a week away. So yeah, I, was that, say, I, I think believe that's relatively is close. March twenty seventh through the thirtieth, so two weeks away. So, but it sounds like we will definitely be getting a new trailer of uh, the flick. So be uh, be ready, and I'm kind of excited to see the next uh, bit of footage. So I love that first trailer a lot. So, all right, so that wraps up the movie discussions. Let's head over to the couple quick stories we have for the TV side of things. 
And I will save that one for the last because I don't want to be a <laughs> jerk. Uh, but we'll talk I don't about even su- know if I know what that news story is. Um, so let's talk about Supergirl real quick. We now know the names of the characters that Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo are playing in their debut episode titled Starcrossed. We didn't get the tease of them, but their full time we're going to see them is we know it's the character is Rhea and then Lar Gand. Now, to break this down, we both did a little bit of reading into this, and I knew Largan sounded really familiar. I wasn't with Rhea. Uh, now, Ben did look into this, and she is actually usually tied more into the Olympians. So I'm really wondering how she fits into the grand scheme of things. Uh, and is I think she has some ties to Doom Patrol, if memory serves correctly, as well. Um, now, as far as Largan, that is just another name for Monel. So now leaves us this huge question: Is is our Monel the Chris Wood Monel really not Monel? Um, so we do know that he's hiding some massive, massive secret, and we did see Jeremiah say, "I know who you really are," a couple weeks ago. So now is the question: Is Kevin Sorbo the real Monel? That could be a very interesting wrinkle in all this, and it would be very cool to see how that plays out. So very excited to see how all this is going to work yeah so uh but as far as uh, other things here i think the last big things we need to talk about and this is the one if you are very sensitive to early 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 spoilers uh we do have the synopsis for the season two finale of legends of tomorrow which is only three episodes away for episode 17 um so uh, give me about 30 seconds to read this synopsis and state who's going to be. And then um, actually, you know, Ben, do you have a, a stopwatch or anything handy? Because I want to um, make sure I don't screw people over on this. Sure. It'd give me about like five seconds just to bring it up. Okay. <clears throat> give, give me one full minute. All right. So starting. Uh, so uh, we're going to run the stopwatch for about for a full minute. And you say Rob. time. You say time. And when you say time, I will immediately stop even if it's mid sentence. But. So for so for those of you that don't want spoilers to the season two finale of Legends, I want you to mute your uh, your feed for now. Keep continue to let it play, but mute it or pop your earbuds out of your ear for exactly one minute, starting now. Episode 17, titled Aruba, the season finale is the legends are about to take off for their next destination. A massive time quake rocks the ship. In order to try and fix what has happened, they are forced to break one cardinal rule of time travel. But if they're able to destroy the spear, they will face the ultimate consequence. So we do know in this episode, in the cast list, is both Wentworth Miller and Katie Cassidy. So we do know 100% that we could be seeing Black Canary staying aboard the ship so everybody is now wondering is season three going to feature both a white and black canary aboard the wave rider and it now makes us wonder as well are they pulling obviously the one cardinal rule of time travel is you don't pull people out that have died you know or there's some you don't pluck somebody who's already died from the time stream before their death so it's now one of those very interesting moments i'm very curious to see how it's going to play out but i have a feeling that may be very Time. well. Katie Cassidy. <laughs> Sorry if you heard the last second of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I, I And now that you, I've heard you say it, I was familiar with that, uh, with that spoiler. And if that happens, uh, that's exciting. Yeah, holy For crap. sure. Well, the yeah. interesting thing I will say about let's, the episode. Let's be, let's be real. Not one of our listeners muted their feed. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Our listeners are aware, and they want to know just as well as we do. Well, the one thing I will say that adds a little credence to the theory, and we won't say what that theory is, is the episode is written by none other than Mark Guggenheim, which makes things very interesting. Yeah. Because he took some serious heat for some shit. So this could be writing some wrongs. Let's wait and see. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. But we're only three episodes away from the end of that, so be ready. Yes. Be very, very ready. And still in that cast list is still J.R.R. Tolkien, so he's still with them up until the bitter end for the next three episodes. And and I'm excited about that week because uh, after that week, we we, going into the finales of The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl, uh, we get a little bit of a break. Not having to talk about five shows, we only have to talk about four. Yeah. So, which is nice going into the summer. So, I think we did it. We we managed to get under the time we were talking about, but let's get our recommendations in, do our cheap plugs, and get the hell out of here. Um, I'll do my recommendation first. Uh, as last week, I know some of you had watched it as well and, and liked the post. Uh, last week, I posted a video of uh, Hilly and Hanny, uh, Hilly and Hannah Hinda, Hindi, uh, and their Suicide Squad parody uh, done to Lady Gaga's uh, Judas, except it was titled Joker. This week, I'm doing another YouTube recommendation since I'm trying to kind of go off the beaten path with my recommendations. Since Rob keeps it traditional, I kind of go awkward. Um, and with next week being the uh, the musical crossover, we know for a fact we are getting songs from John Barrowman, Victor Garber, uh, Grant Gustin, and Melissa Benoit. But I think, if you told me correctly, we are also getting one from Carlos Valdez. Uh, and for those of you that might not know, Carlos Valdez is actually himself a really good singer. Uh, in fact, he is part of a band that I can't remember the name of it because it's hard to pronounce because it's Spanish. But uh, he does a song called Open Your Eyes that is really well done. The music video is great. Uh, so I'm going to post that video on our page. By the time you're hearing this, that will have been posted already. That video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, is my recommendation for the week. Uh, actually, I think there's another one you should probably bring up too. How about uh, Brian Roll's thing for Odyssey Art? Oh, my God, that's right. You know what? I wanted to do that anyway, and I completely forgot. I'm so glad you reminded me of that. Um, our friend Brian from uh, you know from Odyssey Art, I've met him from going to cons, and I've become friends with him. He's doing this really, really, really awesome, and I want to bring this up, too, so I know exactly what the prizes are. Um, he's doing this really cool charity thing where you can buy raffle tickets either via his website or if you see him out at a convention. And... Um, Actually, I'll read off the prizes while you're doing your recommendation. It'll give me time to look it up. But there's a video I posted on our Facebook page that gives you he, – he runs down all the prizes. He actually shows you the ones that he has. Uh, it's $2 per raffle ticket. You can buy as many as you want. All of them go into a drawing. He's going to draw 10 different winners, uh, and each winner is going to win something amazing. Uh, and all of the uh, all of the things go to – and of children's course now. Spe- it's actually uh, oddly enough the reason why I do know on who he was doing this work with is Children's Specialized Hospital. That's in Mountainside, New Jersey. The reason I know this is me and Ben do Extra Life every year. The main team we play for plays for that hospital specifically. We play for Chop, but our main other parts of the team members play for Children's Specialized. So it's kind of cool that Brian's doing that work for them. So we have a bit of a relationship with that already. 
Yeah. And the, uh, I have the prizes drawn up, too, while you were mentioning that. Um, uh, tenth prize to first prize, he's going to draw all these tickets. And you can buy, like I said, as many as you want. Uh, you can buy the raffle tickets. They're $2 on his website per ticket, or you can buy them uh, at his tables when he's at events. Or if you buy things through his store, uh, which is uh, odysseyart.net, you, every $10 purchase that you make, either in person or on the store, also gets you another raffle ticket. So uh, I have work of his myself. I love his work, and uh, I'm really excited for this because I, I – I've, I've actually won a piece through his that I'm still waiting to get from him. Uh, I was supposed to get it from him in Chicago, but now I'm going to... He's actually going to be at Great Philadelphia Comic Con uh, as well. Uh, but 10th prize is a $25 store credit and on his store. 9th prize is a $50 store credit. 8th is an Alter Ego Starter Pack, which is a card series that he does uh, in which he draws the the hero and their alter ego, who they're you know who they are. Uh, um, you know, which is one print from each of the series, one through three. Uh, seventh prize is same thing collector pack two which is two prints of series one through three uh, sixth prize is an odyssey art branded portfolio with an 11 point an 11 time 11 by 17 print of your choice uh, and the portfolio book is amazing you can put like so many different other pieces in there uh, so, um, number five is a Torchlight Society exclusive Green Hour Alter Ego print uh, not available for sale Torchlight Society is, is actually his monthly um subscription that he has in which he you actually get artwork from him every month which is really cool uh number four is a one-year subscription to torchlight society number three is a firestorm 16 by 20 canvas print actually signed by robbie amell uh number two is a this is a really cool prize is a wolverine bobblehead signed by hugh jackman so that's pretty cool as well. And number one is a digitally drawn headshot of your favorite character, which is a value of over $500. So it's going to a really good cause. Brian is a great guy. We're going to keep mentioning this over the course of the weeks. I know it runs until um, I think April 23rd is when uh, it goes. For, so for a little over a month, he's going to be doing this. I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, and Rob, thank you for t- reminding me of that because I wanted to bring that up and I completely forgot. Dude, happily, like honestly, anything for like the children's hospital stuff because we do, like I said, I've done so much work uh, the last several years. You are now a part, a big part of that too. So this is a, a cause near and dear to me. And then uh, obviously, I think we'll probably end up reaching out to him too before Extra Life because me and Ben were talking last night. Uh, when Extra Life rolls around in November, we're gonna probably do a huge gear up. I really want to reach out to a lot of the celebrities and see if we can get uh, maybe some audio messages to remind some folks to get out there and uh, donate to the cause. Uh, and then maybe reach out to a couple people to see if we can get some really awesome DC-related prizes. Um, a lot of companies are really amazing about that, especially for children's charities. So yeah. I would love to do that for you guys and uh, be able to get you guys to kind of help us support something that we care a lot about. So, Well, I mean, um, and, and again, you know, Brian is just an amazing artist. He's a really nice guy. He does a lot of great charity work, and he's uh, uh, it's, it's worth supporting him just in, in his venture for this too. Not to mention the fact that he he did say he is going to give us a piece to give away at some point too. We just have to, I have to talk to him a little bit more about that. Awesome. Well, like I said, I look forward to meeting the guy uh, in a couple of weeks. So yeah, but uh, I'm very happy to, to see this. And uh, like I said, I almost feel weird even doing a, uh, a recommendation after that. Cause I, that's the one I'm like, do that, go do that. <laughs> um, but I will give you guys a really small minor one to, to look at real quick. And that's just in preparation for this coming week. And that's if you have a moment and it's definitely on Netflix, Check out Batman the Brave and the Bold, Season 1, Episode 25, 
Mayhem of the Music Meister, and that's played by none other than Neil Patrick Harris. Um, so if you want a, a little precursor and prelude to that character, if you're not familiar with him, uh, definitely check it out because it's a ton of fun. Uh, and uh, you get a couple other great villains in the mix, Clock King, Gorilla Grodd, Black Mana, and you get uh, a nice mix of heroes. It's Aquaman, I think, Green Arrow, and Black Canary, and if you've ever seen Batman Brave of the Bold, Aquaman is one of my favorite characters in that show, hands down. He is hysterical. So, um, But yeah, definitely check that out. Enjoy that, and uh, how about we do our cheap plugs and get out of here? Works for me. Um, you can check out my other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network, uh, nextlevelradioonline.com, as well as all of the other great podcasts here on the Next Level Network. Uh, as we mentioned, we might possibly be doing a, a Patreon a little bit later on down the road, which will give you some really great exclusive insight into the into the podcast network, uh, not just with DC Primetime, but all the other ones. So stay tuned for details for that. Uh, and, of course, check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime for this podcast. Very cool. And for me, you can always find more of the stuff that I do, which is the other monthly show on Next Level, which is the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. It's a monthly geek culture show. Uh, this past episode, which uh, we've been getting a lot of actually really positive comments from folks, is uh, our DC, or uh, not DC, a Disney, bleh, Disney episode, uh, where we actually break down the, the eras of Disney, the golden, silver, and modern age, and then go into some of our favorites. It was a ton of fun to do. We got another episode coming up that we'll be recording probably in about two weeks. That'll probably be coming out at the very end of the month or the first couple days of uh, April. So definitely get ready to check those out. Um, and then you can always reach out to me there as well as the, the caffeine crew at gmail.com. As always, the best way to get in touch with me and Ben is head over to facebook.com slash DC primetime. And as always, while you're on the net, jump over to George Shaw music and check out George Shaw's works. You hear his uh, his opening, our opening and outro, which are both created as original pieces from him. Uh, make sure you check out all of his fun stuff. He's been working on tons of new music, and uh, so you can check out his SoundCloud links there as well. Cool, cool, cool. So I think that's uh, going to about do it for this week. As we mentioned, next week, all five shows are back. We have our musical crossover with Supergirl and The Flash. And our special guest joining us next week is uh, Brian from uh, DCR, who many of our listeners are familiar with. And I'm very excited to have Brian back on because we haven't had him on since, God, I think over a year at this point. It's about a year from now. He was on, him and Sean were on our Hawks episode. It was the night of the Hawks episode for Legends. So... Uh, yeah, it's I mean, like I said, me and him touch base pretty frequently. Uh, like I said, we haven't heard from Sean uh, in a little bit, but I know I think he's just been crazy busy, but really happy that we'll have Brian with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so stay tuned for that next week. In the meantime, keep watching these shows. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for supporting us. Please feel free to post, comment, everything you can on the social media accounts. But until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>